0: Either the well was very deep, or she fell very slowly. She had plenty of time as she went down. Working, working to wonder what was going to happen next. to Rediscovery, the Star Trek recap podcast that will never turn you over to Section 31. I'm your host for today, Captain Carla Donnelly, and I'm joined, as always, by my science officer, Ben McKenzie. Ben, would you shoot a robot octopus off me if it was strangling me?
1: Even if I hadn't seen a misleading glimpse of the future,
0: Captain. (laughs) We have made it to the mid-season!
1: Ooh, excitement.
0: Episode 7, Light and Shadows, delivers on so many goods promised and much, much more. The episode opens with Discovery still in orbit around Kaminar. They are staying to investigate the tachyon particles the Red Angel left behind. Michael requests personal leave from Pike. She will return to Vulcan on the hunch that Amanda knows where Spock is. Michael believes that Spock is the key to the mystery and is determined to find him before Section 31 do. The analysis of the tachyon particles revealed they are the same measured by Section 31 at the site of the first Red Angel appearance, way back at the crash site of USS Hiawatha. Discovery gets closer to investigate. A time rift appears and causes chaos with temporal disturbances, so everyone's favourite won't well, they couple Pike and Tyler shoot off on a mission together to shoot a probe into it. On Vulcan, Michael arrives at her familial home, grilling Amanda about Spock. Amanda refuses to cooperate, believing that Spock has been unfairly accused of murder. Michael begs Amanda to let her help him. Back in the time rift, a shockwave consumes Pike and Tyler's shuttle, cutting them off from discovery. Saru enlists Stamets' help, believing that his tardigrade DNA will make him immune to the effects of the rift enough to locate the shuttle. Cut to a sacred crypt on Vulcan, and the search for Spock is finally over. He has had a total psychological breakdown and is pacing repeating the first doctrines of logic on loop completely disassociated michael begs amanda to take him to a hospital amanda refuses as a wife of a diplomat she has immunity from extradition world's greatest dad sarik turns up and objects
1: on the shuttle pike comes up with a risky plan to signal discovery tyler accuses him of seeking danger because of his guilt at sitting out the war After trying Pike's manoeuvre, they encounter the probe they fired into the rift. It's now 500 years older and equipped with tentacle upgrades, which it uses to attack the shuttle. In the cavern, as Spock mutters seemingly nonsense numbers, Sarek accuses Amanda of abusing his diplomatic privilege to harbour Spock, but she refuses to back down. Sarek offers a compromise. Hand Spock over to Section 31. They want his information and have the resources to help him outside Federation protocols. No one likes the plan but agree it's their best shot. On the shuttle, the probe pierces the hull and grabs Tyler. Pike realizes his vision was really of him shooting its tentacle to save Tyler. The seven arm connects to the shuttle computer and starts hacking into Discovery's data banks. Back on Discovery, Stamets enlists Tilly's help to track the shuttle and beam aboard and he successfully pilots it out of the rift, but they can't remove the probe. Michael delivers Spock to Leland, who assures her that they have a device that can heal his mind but Giorgio tips Michael off that they will only extract his memories, damaging or killing him in the process. She helps Michael escape with her brother, hoping to use Leland's failure to advance in Section 31. Stamets, Tyler and Pike can't disable the probe, so they set the shuttle to self-destruct and beam back to Discovery just in time, but not before Ariam, trying to shut the probe out of Discovery's computers, is secretly exposed to its seemingly malevolent signal. Tyler and Pike make amends and resolve to treat the angel with caution. At section 31, Giorgio firms up her hold over Leland by threatening to reveal to Michael that Leland was responsible for the death of her parents. As their ships pass by, Spock quotes from Alice in Wonderland and Michael realizes his number is backwards and refers to the planet Talos 4. Dun dun dun! Holy moly! Whoa. Carla, <laughs> you know how I like to say so much going on in this episode? I don't think that phrase even really cuts it this time.
0: No, it was a mile a minute or sorry, per kilometer. As I've said, I appreciate about the Star Trek universe. (laughs) It is metric.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. There's no way we take miles into outer space. Uh,
0: Holy crap. Where do we even start?
1: I don't know. Let's start at the start. I mean, well, can we how do you even start at the start? This is time travel episode. There is no start.
0: Oh my god, I'm in heaven. So
1: good. Oh man, old school temporal anomaly business. I love it.
0: This is the best of Star Trek, as I've said on our introductory episode.
1: It's so good. It's so good.
0: So first of all, I feel like it really is a shift in a different direction. It, tonally, it was so different to most of the other episodes. Hmm. What do you
1: think? Uh, Well, I don't think I noticed that as much as you, but now that you say it, yeah, I see what you mean.
0: I feel like it had that old school kind of soap opera, Star Wars, screen swipe, Hmm. um, pace and tone to Hmm. the whole episode. And it really kept things up at a really fantastic pace. It was light on personal drama even though there was a lot of personal issues happening, mm. it was more a storyline for uh, it was it was drawn together by everyone. The storyline was drawn together by everyone than having these sort of separate siloed situations. Yeah, and by sort of elevating it up to this um, more meta storyline or teamwork, I can't I can't describe it. It just felt more cohesive to me and um, really robust direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it felt like everybody was was involved. And I think, you know, this episode is something I've been waiting for for a bit.
0: So long. This
1: was a Michael episode. Or <gasps> yeah. at least, well, sort of. I mean, because Michael's storyline has been so in the shadow of Spock all through this season so sure. far. And every episode, it's been like the background plot because we can't get close to Spock yet. And there's been nice little character moments with her. I've really enjoyed her sort of um, growing friendship with Pike. And, you know, her reaffirmation of her friendship with Tilly and with um, Saru. But this feels like the first time she's really front and center. Mm. Even though, again, you know, it's all about Spock. Mm. But she's the one who's actively looking for him. She's the catalyst for, you know, making a decision about what to do with him and finding him. So, yeah, I really liked that about this episode. And and it felt like there there was that. But even then... Her, her storyline involved Amanda and Sarek and Leland and Giorgio, um, and then the Discovery storyline involved pretty much everybody mm. and it was another big one for the bridge crew, Carla.
0: There's so many bombs oh. that went off in this episode. I know. And like what, just in terms of what's going to happen, Ariam, what is going to happen with that?
1: You know what excites me most about this? is we will have to learn more about her for of this course. to make sense. She's g-
0: she's going to have an episode.
1: It's going to be so good. She's going to have an episode and an episode.
0: <laughs> Before she takes down the discovery or attempts to. Oh,
1: I liked how the, the representation of the virus or whatever it is, is like three little lights in a I triangle. Know, it's like I the know. predator's targeting yes. thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: But what's with sleeper agents? Like, really?
1: Mm, they're very... I don't know, it was, it's full of drama, isn't it? Because if you're a sleeper agent, you might not even know yourself. I mean, that was the whole thing with Tyler and mm. uh, Vok not knowing, you know, the Tyler personality did not know the, that they were implanted on. And again, you know what? The terminology around that got very confusing this season because they have to take <laughs> this shorthand that, yeah, I'm was, i I'm Tyler, Vox has gone. And you're like, no, you're still Vok. Like you're, you're like, an, you're a fake version of Tyler you know, it's, oh, it's yeah. not, why did they make it so needlessly complicated? I like so how Pike, complicated? Pike
0: called it the Vox Shadow.
1: Yeah, that was good. That was good.
0: That's so euphemistic.
1: Now, I'm guessing you you loved the Pike Tyler business in what this episode. What a
0: surly, salty situation! You know, the three S's as they say in script writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this was fantastic. And look, you know. As a project manager, there's nothing better than getting a team to start working together than putting them in a crisis situation <laughs> or getting them giving them a really difficult puzzle to solve. Yeah. Um. So I really appreciated that. I loved this back getting more background on Pike being a test pilot. Mm. It's further solidifying in my mind that he was a wild cowboy back in the day. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: And nice, nice sort of. You know, a really good excuse to explore his motivation for the way that he's behaving. Because I I have been thinking, wow, the captain really goes on a lot of dangerous missions in this season. You know, Lorca never did that. And in fact, most of the Star Trek captains do not do that. The Mm. the big exception was Kirk, right? He Mm -hmm. was always in the landing parties. But, you know, Picard did not do that. Um, Cisco doesn't do that. Janeway doesn't do that. They're all like, "No, I know, I, I know, I'm important. Like, I'll I'll go down when it's necessary, mm. but I'm not going to put myself on the front line all the time." Whereas Pike is definitely doing that, mm. and now we have a reason why.
0: Yeah, because he he wasn't in the war. Yeah, he feels. Which guilty. you can see for a man like that would have been very ego bruising, particularly in terms of how you know married he is to Starfleet.
1: Yeah, and he's very. I I think it's also. It's part of his caring personality too because he feels like a lot of people died and maybe I could have saved them.
0: Yeah, he could have helped.
1: Um, and so now I'm going to try my best to save people from this threat that I am here to, to deal with. But I mean, that's
0: typical macho risk behaviour. It's like, yeah. well, what if you die, Captain Pike? What happens then?
1: Yeah, then you can't help anybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see if he backs down a little bit now.
0: Well, yeah, the two of them together, I feel like they've formed a bit of a bond. They kind of trust each other. Hmm. They, they have a, a basic level of... Trust. Mm. Also, or- they've
1: touched fingers now.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: there was that little moment with the controls. Actually, someone on Reddit like posted a, a close-up of those controls. I'll talk about that in short chats.
0: Though. Okay, great.
1: Um, I really liked near the start when Saru sort of just takes command. And it's yes. the new Saru. And I he's just like, I thought of you.
0: I thought of you.
1: Let's do it. Let's go. This is what we need to do. And he just he's just self-assured. There's no like They're very worrying. calm. And he's just like, Okay, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that. Hey go talk to Stamets. He's the one who's got the solution to this cuz we know that his relation to time is different to ours now.
0: He feels really recalibrated. Yeah, yeah. I
1: really loved that. I really enjoyed that little moment. And he doesn't he doesn't have a big presence in this episode, but he really makes himself felt there at the start. And uh, and then the bridge crew get on with their jobs and again, you know, Everybody, everybody was on board.
0: Yeah, and Rhys is, like, it's really strange. Like, Reese isn't getting a lot of actions, but he's getting his name said a lot, which yeah. I think is, <laughs> you know, almost as good, I guess. It's Maybe good. they're kind of, like, setting that up that, you know, he'll get an episode. But I can't tell you how, like, I'm trying to just calm myself down with mm. how excited I am now for the rest of the season. Yeah, There's all of my favourite things coming, happening, um, and I'm just so excited to see where all of this stuff is going to go. Yeah. It really feels like a huge change has happened. And also with the new announcement of the um, uh, showrunner, but we'll talk about that in short chats. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a huge week for me for Star Trek. I'm like freaking out. I
1: know. It's been yeah. a great week. And we haven't even mentioned the whole uh, confirmation of a renewal for a third season. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, we'll talk yeah. About, we can talk about short, that. In short chats. Short
1: chats. Uh, but, yeah, so getting back to the episode – um, that, that time rift whole plotline was awesome. It had a little bit of everything. Like there was glimpses of the past and the future. There was a weird sort of matrix slash 20,000 leagues under the sea kind of monstery moment with Whoa. the probe turning into a giant squid. I love screaming. That. I'm a big, I don't know if I, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast. I wouldn't have had a reason to, but I really love giant squids. Like. <laughs> I'm really into cephalopods. Like, I just think they're super cool. And so, yeah, to see like one, uh, turn the probe into a, I didn't see it coming that it was going to become a robot squid. And I was like, this is
0: awesome. So you must really love that movie. You know the one.
1: Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus? No,
0: the one where they're alien octopi. And they talk in symbols in smoke. Oh,
1: the arrival. Yeah, the arrival. Or arrival. I think it's just arrival. Did you like it? I did like it. Uh the guy who's doing the new Dune, right? Yeah. Yeah, and did the new Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is you, apparently terrible. I haven't seen the Blade Runner one. I
0: have to watch it for screen studies no, and I'm, I'm disappointed. I hope it's okay. Yeah, it's all right.
1: But I'm excited about the Dune. The Dune could be good.
0: <sighs> okay, back to this. Sure. So much other stuff so much other stuff was dropped in this. Spock had dyslexia.
1: Is it dyslexia or is it something like dyslexia? It's a learning difficulty.
0: No, I think it was dyslexia, but They used the Vulcan word for yes, it. That's right. It's contextualized in a Vulcan way. Mm. Which is Strange. I don't know weird. where that is going in the plotline.
1: Actually, speaking of Dune, I found his chanting in the cavern when he's going over the logic. It <laughs> reminded me a lot of the Mentats, particularly from the film version of Dune, where they're just like, you know, um, the, the the juice sets my mind in motion. The logic is that I can't remember what the you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, okay. It was like that. It was good. But yeah, so he's, he's had some difficulties, which is why she read him. I, I like that kind of contextualization of why Alice in Wonderland is involved. Yeah. It was like to show that it's okay if you can't figure things out, you can still figure things out in
0: a way. Yeah. And the whole, you know, the whole upside downness of the whole of Discovery. Yeah. And Mushrooms as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all linked.
1: It all comes in together.
0: I only had a few more notes for this. I think Spock's eyebrows are really weird. Yeah. But they sort of really, they look very drawn on to me. I can't kind of get it out of my mind when I look at them. Mm-hmm. The other thing was that sick fight scene between Michelle Yeoh and oh, Michael. So
1: good. Whoa. Yeah, that was cool. And she's she's like doing Vulcan martial arts, right? Yeah. So I thought that was, yeah, that was great.
0: Another moment, a long time coming with a lot of satisfaction in resolution for both of them, especially for Michael.
1: Were you surprised when Giorgio sort of said, hey, I'm going to help you out?
0: No, because for a creature like Giorgio, it's just about what she can get out of a situation. Mm. So she's trying to become the leader of Section 31, which is terrifying yeah and a person like that is always just trying to rack up as many points with other people as possible to either blackmail them or you know use them as a resource so i wasn't surprised yeah it's not altruistic in any no. way no, no totally not. Yeah.
1: although she's trying to present it as if it is
0: yeah because she, that's what psychopaths do she wants michael to, <laughs> to like her
1: yeah yeah true um I, well, how did you feel about the way that the, the relationship between Amanda and Sarek was presented in this episode because it's the first time we've really seen them together.
0: Well, it's what one would assume. Mm. You know what I mean?
1: It felt a lot spikier than you see it in the original series when they're older, which I guess makes sense. Like they've probably made their peace with it. But even in that episode, because it's it's the time when Sarek sees Spock for the first time after like 18 years of not speaking to him, um, you know, not counting this episode where he sees him but he doesn't speak to him. <laughs> Um, so it was a nice way to get around that. Like he's there, but he can't talk to Spock because he's like, I hate Spock. He's still, he's still disappointed me, but he needs help. It's okay. But in that later episode, you know, there, um, from in, from the original Star Trek series. She, she does, like, they do have a fight. And they do this weird thing, actually, where they, they, they hold hands just with, like, two fingers.
0: Yeah, it's you've cute. mentioned this before. Yeah, I like it. You but, like it. But
1: in this one, I'm like, oh, wow, you like, you've got some real unresolved issues here, like, about yeah, no how you've shit. raised your son. Like, talk <laughs> it out. Surely that's a logical thing to do as well. Um, no,
0: because it's emotional.
1: But it's also ideological. Like, they have different approaches to how they think Spock can be helped. And she's kept things from him. Like, like I, I sort of read the subtext as um, Spock's got these learning difficulties. Both his parents know about it. He thinks they've been corrected in the learning center. Like, he's been taught how to overcome them or they've been treated in some way. And she's like, no, I just read him this book until he managed to overcome it himself. Mm. And this is a revelation to Sarek. It's like, what the? What? Okay. So, I, yeah, it was a bit hard to get a read on what their deal is with that situation. Like, um, why, yeah, I feel like there's more to be discovered about that. I don't know.
0: To understand that they have a dysfunctional marriage is no surprise. I guess not. No. Yeah. Yeah. But I did like her kind of bolshy speech that she gave him. Yeah. You know, she's like, "I'm not, I'm not your employee or whatever it was. Yeah. What did she say?
1: We're partners, she yeah. said, yeah.
0: She said, yeah. I don't live under your law. I'm your partner.
1: Yeah, that was good. That yeah. was badass. Yeah. Um to use to use a phrase <laughs> used way too often for when women are just not doormats. Uh but no, she was great. Uh and I I like to, uh, you know, there's a little bit of exploration of Vulcan law there, which I'm always yes, big on. I've got it
0: written down. It's a sacred crypt filled with Katra stones mm. that uh, blocks telepathic communication. So yeah. Sarek would not be able to Try and find him. It's
1: very cunning. Yes. Yeah. I guess that's so you can meditate in peace if you're you're a bit psychic and you don't pick up on other people's thoughts. Makes sense. Sure. And there were cool, like, glowing pyramid things. It was awesome. Yeah, it was rad. But then he's scratching things into the wall. I'm like, this is a sacred crypt, you (laughs) jerk. (laughs) Rude spot. But it seems like it's a private crypt. It's not like... A public one. Yeah, it's it's on the estate somewhere because Sarek just shows up like. I know. A little bit Draco Malfoy ish. It
0: shows them coming in on a shuttle. Yeah. And then two seconds later, they turn around and it's like, he's over there. It's It's like that moment of like, oh, he's standing right behind me. He he?" just apparated. Yeah.
1: He did give me a yeah, like I said, Draco. I meant Lucius Malfoy. He gave me the sort of elder Malfoy, or or even you know Alan Rickman as Snape as kind of anything, vibe. <laughs> or as anything. Yeah, he just sort of sweeps in. He's like, mm. yeah, it was great. I loved it.
0: I loved the old hiding in an asteroid trick mm. that Michael did.
1: A classic of the genre. Classic
0: of the genre. Mm. So sweet. And um, so they're still in orbit around. Kamina. Yeah. What's happening with the Kelpians?
1: I had a big... Actually, this is the thing I wanted to ask, because the time tsunami, not a very gentle <laughs> choice of words there, Tilly, goes off, and I'm like, it's right. It's just in That's the... That's exactly
0: what I was what's thinking. It, is it
1: going to fuck up the planet? What's going to happen? I was worried. And they were just like, let's get out of here. And I'm yep. like, <laughs> wait a minute. What about this civilization you just massively disrupted, who are trying to deal with their new status? Exactly. And you just have fucked off in yeah. your spaceships. Like, you, you'll be fine. Temporal wash over you. It's a, you know, it might, oh, they'll come back and like the, the Kelpian civilization will have moved on 500 years and they'll be <laughs> like, what the hell's happened here? That
0: would be rad. Wouldn't it
1: be? And then how angry would Saru be? <laughs> He'd be like, oh man, I really screwed this up. <laughs> I should not have let us leave. Um, Yeah. I don't know. The other thing it just made me think of when we we're talking about classics of the genre uh, I really love the the sort of time echoes in this episode. They made me think of um, the Red Dwarf episode Future Echoes, where they they go through the light speed barrier and they start to see things before they happen. Uh, and this, yeah, they had like nice things about that. and They had the whole time rift thing. Yeah.
0: There was a lot of classic, classic stuff in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, there really was. And and just I, you know, we said this at the start, but it's just a little something for nearly everybody to do. Yeah. I was surprised. Except Janet. for Hugh. Yeah, and Hugh. I was really surprised we didn't see Hugh this episode. I was like, yeah, where is he? I mean, of... is, is this a sign that he does need? He, I mean, he clearly needs a bit of recovery time. Sure. Maybe he's taking it easy. But then Stamets goes off on a, like, possibly, you know, death mission and doesn't even send him a little note to say, bye, well, Hugh. We don't I love see, you.
0: We don't see that. But what I loved about that the most was that Stamets actually seems so cohesive. You know, he's like, right? No, I know what to do. Let's do it. Plug me in. I'm gonna, you know, this is mm. what we do. It, he seems so far less neurotic and so far more together.
1: Do you think that's going to be a thing? I I'm starting to suspect that's a thing. Like, there's something that's happened to him because of his his uh,
0: potentially his
1: experiences in the in the network and the return of Hugh. Because he did seem to really not be concerned about Hugh's concerns mm. about his return. It's it's almost like he's he's gone into this sort of weird. Zen state of overconfidence because he's like, everything's back to normal now. Everything is perfect. I can do anything. And he's like, Well, he wasn't
0: this? really arrogant before. Yeah, I guess so. This but is now he form. just seems more blissful. And that may be the spores.
1: He's happy and arrogant. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. What a, what a way to be. What a combo. <laughs> yeah. All right, shall we short chat? Yeah, let's. All right. Now it's time for Rediscovery Short Chats, where we talk news, trivia, and anything related to discovery. We will also be taking questions during this segment for you, the listener, so please follow our socials to be in touch. Ben, what have you got for me?
1: Well, we've had a really nice review, actually. Oh,
0: yeah. We're going to
1: talk about listener feedback. Thank Um, you. Thank you for, I don't know how to pronounce your username, Rukuya, I think, (laughs) uh, who reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, who said particularly that they like the little recaps at the end and our focus on thematic connections. So... Thank you. Thank you for that feedback. And look, if you, if you want to give us some feedback that other people can read, uh, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Um, we always like to know what people think. And it is a nice way to support the podcast or any other podcast that you listen to because it does help make the podcast easier to find and get the word out a little bit easier if you get a few ratings in there. So thank you. We really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, thank you.
0: That and really to nice. future people who leave us a review. Yeah. We had a really interesting um, email from Michelle Wood who identifies as a non-binary parent. And Michelle talked a lot about how they felt that the Laurel Tyler storyline was something that they had really longed for in popular culture. Mm. So I'll just read a little bit of their message I can count the media representation of strong women being mothers with agency who care about their children on very few fingers. Mothers in media that I'm actually interested in who represent that part of me in a way that feels real essentially don't exist. So Laurel having this experience, even though it was an experience of profound loss, was a rare opportunity to see that part of my life through other eyes." Uh, having a child is a huge deal and I loved so much seeing two people have that conversation and the joy and fear and hope that comes along with that. So I thought that that was really fascinating because yeah. Michelle also went on to say that um, they had never heard any criticism anywhere about this new season mentioning parenthood and that's something that's a blind spot for us because we're not parents. Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I I hadn't thought about that either. and I think maybe I had not considered that because it did feel like the baby ended up being a bit of a plot device because sure. he has a baby, same episode, baby's gone. Mm. Um, but it really was a transformative experience, both for Laurel and for Tyler too. You know, as as happens with some people in real life, if, when they find out they're going to be a parent, they're like, wow, I really got to get my shit together. Mm. And he sort of had, seemed to have a bit of a moment where that was like, I'm going to integrate the two halves of my personality and get my shit together mm. for this baby so yeah i thought that was that was a really interesting insight that i hadn't thought of
0: and also really gives it a lot of context for tyler's titchiness as i described it you know mm. we're like oh what about pike blah 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 but really like this is a person who has found out they'd have, they've had a child <laughs> and then given the child up for adoption in an incredibly painful way yeah be put on section 31 then been put back on discovery to the site of you know his pain and suffering so mm. it's a lot more depth there yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> Do you have anything else, Ben?
1: There was a great post on Reddit where someone had done a screenshot of the control panel in the shuttle mm. And they zoomed into it And there's like four controls that have labels on them And they all have the abbreviations for the other four Star Trek shows uh. So there's one labelled TNG There's one labelled, actually I don't think Toss is in there I think I don't think the original series But there's TNG, there's a Voy. there's a DS9 And there's an ENT
0: oh. Uh,
1: I thought that was that was great, and I can't believe somebody spotted it. They're so small.
0: That's so cute. Yeah, just
1: in that one shot, but I guess you know you might be watching that bit closely because that is you know that's the control panel where they're flicking switches when they touch fingers.
0: Touch fingers.
1: So it, was, it was weird. I like the I, look I they hope, give each other. They're like,
0: "What?" I hope that's not some kind of DNA swapping situation either. Ha ha. Oh, yeah, DNA right. is all over this place in this season. <laughs> It's true. Uh, I have one more or maybe two more. Mm. Okay, so Michelle Paradise, who has been a executive producer on the show or maybe just a producer, she has now been elevated to co-showrunner with Alex Kurtzman. This is thrilling to me because she's a massive Star Trek nerd, but also she is a queer woman.
1: This is awesome. Is this the first time? This is surely... I think so. Well, first time we know about it at least. I yeah. think
0: so. Well, it's definitely the first time... For Star Trek, yeah that's for sure, yeah, so thrilled to see where that goes Michelle has a couple of TV shows that I've never heard of, which is crazy to me so I'm gonna run off and watch them now. one is called X's and O's um, and she has the distinction of making that show selling it to and selling it to logo without a manager or an agent Wow she made it all of herself so seems like a A powerhouse of a person. She knows what she's doing. That's awesome. So, that's thrilling. Do you want to talk about Telos 4?
1: I think we probably need to. I
0: want to. So bad.
1: Well, let's let's talk about it. (laughs) So, this is the planet that is revealed at the end of the episode that Spock's number... Can I just talk... Actually, I do want to talk about this just for a second. There are a lot of planets in the galaxy, Carla. Mm, Yes. The idea that a six-digit number could refer... To just one of them and nothing else is kind of ridiculous. Poor, poor. I think it should have been... I'm just saying I think it should have been a longer number. Because also then it would have been a cool demonstration of how Vulcans have very good logical minds and they can remember long strings of numbers. It's no big deal. So, or I don't know. it could
0: have been several Google search results and they could have picked the top one. Yeah, but instead like, it's like...
1: On. the Well, also, firstly, the first number has no matches at all. I'm like, it's a six-digit number. There's going to be billions of matches in the entire Galactic Federation database. But then you reverse it and there's just one. You get a... What, what did they call it? Um, you know, when you used to play that game and the objective was to find a search term where if you Googled it, you only got one result. Oh, yeah. It I was know. really hard. Like, yeah, I think I these know. days it's basically impossible. Mm. Uh, it was a game that you used to play if you were bored when Google was new. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, weird. I thought that was a bit weird. But then the one place that it refers to is the planet Talos IV. And we've talked about, we've mentioned Talos IV briefly.
0: Well, I don't think we've mentioned it by name, but oh, we've talked not. about the episode. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, the, it's the from cage. the cage or the, the menagerie.
1: menagerie. Yeah. Which I guess means that the, the events of the cage, and so therefore the past mission Are depicted in up. the menagerie, is either being set up or has already happened. And this is Spock going back to the planet because he already knows about it.
0: But how does that work with Pike's storyline?
1: Well, Pike's... Remember, so, so the, there's the mission that the Enterprise goes on yeah. to find Talos 4 in the first place. And then when they leave, they're like, uh... no one can come back here. Uh... Yeah. So, I think they must have already... Because Spock wouldn't want to go there unless he knows. Because I, And I have a prediction for this. Do you want to know what my prediction yeah, is? Yeah, of course. I think the next episode, and I hope it's the next one. But I think next episode, they're going to go to Talos 4 They're going to meet the Talosians. And the Talosians are going to do Spock a favor by putting him and Michael into a weird, like, mindscape so that they can unravel whatever the hell's going wrong with his mind. And I'm betting... It's like Alice in Wonderland. Dude, in that
0: is so cool. And
1: I, I hope that's what happens because I think that will be awesome. If it doesn't happen, I want someone to write that as fan fiction because that's going to be so cool. <laughs> Sounds but,
0: like you've made yourself a job.
1: But I think it's, I yeah, I just was when he was saying when they when it came up, I was like,
0: oh cool, this is going to be awesome. What can I say like, I, you know, I've watched these episodes of the original series. Yeah. And I hadn't watched any before we started this podcast, mm. but the. F- Guys, if you've got Netflix, just watch the first episode on Netflix. It's the pilot. The cage. And basically, like, what happened with that episode was it was a pilot that got shelved. And as Ben explained in a lot of detail in one of the first episodes that we did, they then created it into, recycled the material into which you parted later on in the series, which is like episode nine and eight and nine, I think. But if you just watch this one episode, and it, it was a lost episode until the late 80s, as far as I'm aware.
1: Well, it was never available anywhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's it's literally episode 0 on Netflix if you open up the original series and it's awesome. Like I've always put off watching the original series cuz I'm like, oh, it's going to be a bit crap. I'm not going to be able to suspend belief. It's going to be a bit cheesy.
1: And you know what? A lot of the first season <laughs> is kind of like that. I won't like, I I tried and I got about 3 episodes in, I'm like, no.
0: I haven't minded it at all. And like that first season, The Cage, I th- the first episode, I thought it was awesome.
1: It is great. Yeah. I
0: loved it, in, but in a really kitschy kind of way. And I think that's kind of the only way that you can come at it.
1: It's very of its time. yeah. But
0: it's also, to me, like I'm a theatre critic and it's like, it's very theatrical. It's like soundstage stuff. It, it could be a play. Well, you know.
1: And early television is very much like that. I mean, you go back to the 50s when you see the very first sci-fi happening on the BBC and they did like an adaptation of 1984. I don't think any of it still exists. But then you look at other stuff from around that time. It basically is a stage play. Yeah. They just have some cameras pointed at it. Yeah. And by, you know, the 66, when they're doing Star Trek, things have gotten a lot more sophisticated than that. Um, they've brought a lot more film techniques into television. But still, it's a lot more theatrical than modern television is.
0: It just looks so cool, and it looks way cooler than I thought it would look, and the Talosians have these, like, giant alien heads with, like, pulsating... It's
1: very This Island Earth kind it's of...
0: so cool, and the, I don't know how they did the practical effects on the 60s show, but I'm, like, I'm watching it like a hook, trying to see how it's beating, you know, like the <laughs> veins are beating in its head. It's rad. So spend an hour of your life watching this episode because it's going to ground you in so much. And I just think it's really cool.
1: Yeah. And I I go further than that. I would say it's worth cherry picking other episodes from the original series that are relevant. Um, Other good ones, uh, the one where um, Sarek turns up for the first time um, with his diplomatic mission. Um, The Trouble with Tribbles is quite interesting to watch for the sort of attitude. of That's a good one for Klingon relations in the sort of original series era. Um, and there's a few other ones as well.
0: Yeah. Look, there's sixty, there's over 60 episodes or something, I can't remember. It's about 60, yeah, yeah. Cause it
1: ran for three years and a kind of standard sort of um, long American season length.
0: But let me tell you, the first, first episode, the one that went to air is awful. It's all about them being bros and romance.
1: And then, bizarrely, they decide to do basically the same episode as one of the very first episodes of Star Trek The it, Next Generation. Ah. And they even refer to it. It's it's ridiculous. It's crazy. But you do get shirtless Sulu in that episode, which is, <laughs> which is worth the price of admission.
0: But after that, it gets better. Look, I'm making my way through it and I'm enjoying it. Mm. I'm not sitting down to watch it, you know, like I'm scrolling or sort of doing something else or whatever. But, you know.
1: I'm still dipping in and out around my watch of Enterprise, which I'm Me enjoying too. more and more as I, I get into it.
0: Cool.
1: Uh, now, I've just realized I do have a couple of just quick little things. Mm. Um, one, I really liked in the intro sequence to this episode. We now get a really good look. At the Red Angel, whereas previously it was all shadowy and and, yeah. and in silhouette, um, so now we see the detail of the the suit that we now know that it wears. So I thought that was really cool. I liked that um, Burnham talks about how in in her opening log, which is uh, much shorter, she talks about how Amanda like, taught her that things come in threes. I'm like, oh, see, so Amanda's a comedian? Is that what's <laughs> the rule of threes? Uh, that was my immediate thought. I was like, that thought.
0: was such the most busted thing I've ever heard a Vulcan say.
1: Well, she's not a Vulcan, so, you know. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but I did think, like, does that mean they have the rule of threes on Vulcan? <laughs> <laughs> now I, And then I started to try and imagine what a Vulcan stand-up don't, comedian would be like. Don't! And I'm like, no, okay, yeah. Oh, oh, there's one, there's one last thing, one last little tiny thing. This is just me nitpicking, and I like to get these in because sometimes I'm like, why, guys? Just why? <laughs> this is a continuity fail. They say, yeah, we're going to full stop in the shuttle. And then the next time we see a shot of the shuttle from space, it's like flying through space. I'm like, <laughs> you
0: just said full stop,
1: guys.
0: Oh, I didn't notice that.
1: It was really weird. Anyway, it was fine. It must, it was just- be, it
0: must be time full stop. <laughs> I think so. Yeah.
1: I mean, look, you turn the engines off, you still move around. But that's for, for my money, that's not what full stop means. <laughs> Uh, Anyway.
0: You've been listening to Rediscovery. All links to creatives are in our show notes or on our website, rediscoverypodcast.com. We'd love to connect with you. Please add us on Twitter and Facebook at RediscoveryPod.
1: Rediscovery is brought to you by Splendid Chaps Productions. Find more entertainment for your ears at splendidchaps.com.